So, Matthew chapter 21, verses 23 through 27. Go ahead and read it to yourselves. Somebody at your table could read it for your table. Or... The question, who is Jesus, and what is the source of his authority, is a question that is asked all the time and is really of utmost importance to not only believers, but to everyone. Who do you say Jesus is? Where does he get his authority? Um, and so in this passage, a couple of things are mentioned. First, beginning in verse 23, you'll see an exchange between Christ and his accusers, his attackers, his, de his detractors. And when he entered the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people came to him as he was teaching and said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? And there we see them immediately challenge Christ's authority. And as we see the leaders of Israel challenge Christ's authority, we learn something. Um, and one of the things that we learn is that our response to Jesus' authority is an indicator of where our heart is with God. And it's easy to take a look at the Pharisees or the Sanhedrin and the, all of the leaders of the law and sort of attack them for questioning Jesus' authority. Um... But don't we sometimes do the same thing? But the, they want to stop Jesus in his tracks. And so they ask him a question, not for the purpose of really finding an answer. Because all the evidence has been there. It's a question, once again, designed to trap him, to put him in a corner. They want to stop his ministry and discredit him by questioning his authority. And presumably they are getting to the point that Jesus has never had an official, formal education. He hasn't graduated from rabbinic seminary. So he doesn't have the credentials uh, to be a rabbi. Because a man ordained as a rabbi was also declared to be an elder and a judge in Israel and given authority not only to teach and express his wisdom, but also make decisions and render judgments in certain situations, uh, in religious as well as in civil matters. So an ordained rabbi had official recognition as a credentialed teacher of Israel. A non-credentialed rabbi was to be questioned. And so here they are, they're coming to question Jesus and saying, where's your degree? Where are your credentials? 
And so they want to expose Jesus as a non-credentialed teacher and therefore not qualified. In other words, they're saying, you're not seminary trained. How dare you get up and lecture us on the scriptures? How dare you try to inform us of what goes on? How dare you make the claims that you are making? You have never gone through the process of accreditation. And so since they had not been effective in confronting him about the subject matter of what he taught, they are now going to attack him on his authority or his credentials to teach. And then the religious leaders, in essence, ask two questions. By what authority are you doing these things? And two, who gave you that authority? What authority and who gave you that authority? And the first question asks for justification of Christ's works. Who gave Jesus the right to do what he was doing? The second question goes to the heart of who he is as a person. And unbelief, folks, unbelief always, always questions both the work and the person. It's not just the work, but they also question the person. And so whenever you see unbelief played out, those are the two things that will take place. And those are the things that they're asking. Who gave you the authority and who are you? Um, but the question they are asking him has already been clearly answered. In the Bible, authority is a word that describes freedom, God's freedom to act. He's got the legal right. He's got the freedom. He's got the authority. He's got the power to act as he wants. And the Bible also teaches that Jesus has authority over all flesh. And he has gotten that authority from his Father. So it's, uh, Jesus has the authority from his Father to lay down his life in John 10:18. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power, authority to lay it down, and I have power, authority to take it again. This command I received from my Father. Jesus also has the authority to forgive sins in Matthew 9, 6. Jesus gives authority to those who receive him to be children of God, John 1, 12. Jesus gives his disciples authority over disease and to cast out demons when he was on earth. And you see that in Matthew 10, 1. So over and over and over you see these experiences of Jesus having authority. The Pharisees have seen this. And they knew that when Jesus was baptized, it, he, they saw the same thing. This is my son whom I'm well pleased. So Jesus spoke with authority. The Apostle Paul wrote, For by him all things were created, things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. So again, according to Paul, Jesus is the source of authority. Jesus is equal to God, is in fact God. He not only reflects God, but reveals God to us. So all of this, the Pharisees have heard. They've seen his miracles. They've seen the testimony. They've heard his teaching. But for some reason, they don't want to accept it. Um, and again, for the believer, we accept the scripture 
based on faith, based on the authority of who Jesus is. And when we do that, it prompts us to be obedient to the scripture out of love for who Jesus is and what he's done. So there is absolutely no question about the answer to this question. Jesus, by his own words, his own teaching, by his claims, his miracles, by his life, and made it abundantly clear where the source of his authority came from. There's no question. So the question that these leaders were asking was a question that had already been answered. Um, and the reason they're asking this question is, is not because Jesus has not made a clear testimony to who he is. It's because their hearts are committed to self-centered authority. Their hearts are committed to be in their own authority. And there's going to be no other authority over us. We're going to make the rules. We're going to decide what's going to be okay. We're going to make the plans. Um, and the difference is that God-centered authority affirms truth and disproves lies. Self-centered authority affirms, I know what is best for me, and it lives a lie. But yet, how many times do we hear people say, I know what's best for me. I don't need I don't need any counsel. I don't need any advice. I don't need any help. I know what's best for me. And it's vital for us to understand this point. Because one's rejection of the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ is not a sign that you haven't been given enough information. People you know who reject Christ, it has nothing to do with the fact that they don't have enough information. It's a sign of a heart that is not surrendered. Or as the first song we sang said, it's a sign of a heart that will not bow its knee to Jesus. Um, because the claims are clear. The testimony is clear. The evidence is crystal clear. It's there. But the heart that does not want to surrender is a is a heart that does not want to embrace Jesus and his lordship. So how you respond to Jesus' authority in your life is an indicator of your own spiritual condition. It's one of the warning lights on the dashboard that when you're going in, you know, in a one, one direction, the warning light comes on and you either ignore it or you say, I'm not going to follow it. I have a car that has a seat vibrator in it. And it's not that you can drive with the vibrator on. It's if you cross over the lane when you're not supposed to, it vibrates and warns you. Well, that was going off so many times. I just turned it off. <laughs> and isn't that what we do? God warns us so many times, but instead of continuing to take the warning, we say, well, I'm just, I'm just going to turn that one off. I'm not going to listen to that one anymore. You know, my finances are out of control, but you know what? I'm, 
That's okay. I'm going to ignore that warning. And we do it in so many areas of our lives. Um, Bob has just informed us of how significantly important is that we are here on the 23rd, if at all possible, to fill that out. But I'm sure that there's going to be people say, well, I know it's important, but it's not really that important. I'll just turn that one off. Because they really don't need my input. They don't need my help. And I think we do that in so many areas of life. Now, those are minor. But think about when it comes to some of the other things. Um, because how many times have you heard somebody say, I know what the Bible says, but. And fill in the blank. I know what the scriptures say, but. I may have even said that. I know that this is what the scripture says, but. And that as soon as we put that but there, we're calling into question the authority of Jesus Christ. Now, I know Jesus put that in the scripture for a reason, but it was for your reason, not for mine. Um, and we've been tempted to do that from time to time. Or it may be, well, I know that the Bible says this, but that was 2,000 years ago. And our society, our culture has changed so much that that can't be relevant anymore. And so we call into question Jesus' authority in our lives. Or maybe because the Bible speaking to a personal behavior of ours that we just don't want to let go of. You know, I sort of like doing those things. And I know what the scripture says, but. See, all of those are statements of challenge to the lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. And if our attitude is to question the authority of Christ over our lives, then we're sort of standing in the same place as the chief priests and the Sanhedrin and the elders of them. Because that's what they were saying. Jesus doesn't... Where, where, do, you get, where do you get your authority? Because if we're standing back and saying, who gave you the authority to tell me that? Who are you? If you're saying those kind of statements... You're rejecting the authority of Jesus Christ. And for the professing believer, the rejection of the authority of Christ is an act of unbelief. It's an act of hypocrisy. And it is a struggle that we all face from time to time. Um, because we live in a society that impacts us every single day. And it challenges us and as Joe was mentioning we've got a thousand voices and we spend far more time listening to the news or far more time listening to other things than we may spend and saying okay what does God's word really say about this or we will look for somebody's you know podcast to find out about something instead of saying wait a second what does this what does the Bible really say about this so if Christ is not Lord of your life, if you're using the but, then you're the Lord of your life. And if you're the Lord of your life, Jesus is not the Lord of your life. And that doesn't mean he's not the Lord of your life, but in certain areas you're saying, you know what, I think I got this one, Jesus. I don't need your authority to tell me how to do this one. I got it under control. And that's just a real slippery slope to be. 
It's a real slippery slope to be. In 1 John 2, 3, it says, By this we know that we have come to know him. That we do what? Keep his commandments. How people will know that we've come to him? Because he is the authority in our life. We're not the self-appointed authority. So the practical expression of the lordship of Christ as Christians is to submit and accept his authority over our lives. Jesus makes it very clear that the only appropriate response to his claims that we submit and acknowledge him to be the Messiah, the son of the living God. He says that there are two types of people in this world. Those who embrace me and those who don't. Um, and his authority so has to be dealt with. And if we choose to reject his authority, whether we be professing believers or whether we be unbelievers, then again, we are standing where the chief priests were standing. And I don't know about you, but that's not where I want to stand. That's not where I want to stand. And then in verse 24, in the first half of verse 25, we see Jesus' response to his accusers. And it's brilliant, folks. His response is absolutely brilliant. And Jesus answered and said, like he needs my affirming vote on that. Hey, you know, Jesus, that was really good. You know? Um, and Jesus answered and said to them, I will ask you one thing too, which if you tell me, I will also tell you by what authority I do these things. The baptism of, of John, was it from what source? From heaven or from men? Have you ever done that? Have you ever answered a question with a question? I love to do that. And the reason why is because when you ask a question, when somebody asks you a question and you ask them another question, usually it helps clarify the real question that they're asking. Because a lot of times people will just ask a question, but they're not telling you the meaning behind the question. Because they've got something else going on um, and so they, they want, so asking that is just clarifying. And again, I want you to understand that Jesus is not simply using a brilliant rhetorical device in debate, although it is a brilliant rhetorical device. He's trying to get to the heart of the matter. And he turns the question on his accusers. And he puts them in the corner that he thought the accusers were going to put him into. So he's turned the tables on them completely. But he's not sidestepping the question. He's not evading their question. When Jesus says, you answer me this, was John's baptism from God or from man? If they answer that question right, they've answered their own question. Because if they say, well, it's from John. John's, John's authority was from God. Well, they, then, obviously, if you believe what John said, then you must believe that my authority is from God. So by answering the question, if they answer correctly, they've answered their own question that they've asked Jesus. Because in John's message of repentance and baptism included, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. And I saw and bore record, this is the Son of God. So if they say John was from God, he's good. 
But if they say he's not from God, then all the people of Israel are going to be really upset with him. And if you take a look at Luke, they were afraid to say it wasn't from God because they were afraid that the people would stone them. They would stone them. So by asking that question, they've caught, them, they've caught themselves in their own trap. And so what did they do? Uh, we don't know. We don't know. And that's a bold-faced lie. And so they're lying to Jesus in that because they did know. And they were more concerned about their well-being than they were concerned about the truth. If I say what I know, then I'm going to have to surrender my life. I'm going to have to bow my knee to Jesus. If I say that John wasn't a prophet, then they're going to stone us. And at best, they're not going to re-elect us to be their rabbis or their elders. And so they believe the polls instead of believing the truth. And how many times do we see that same thing happen in our world? Yes. Yeah. That was Galatians chapter 1, verses what? Galatians 1, chapter, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. So Jesus is responding to his accusers, and just as Mandy shared, the claims that he has made about himself are validated by God, by men like John, and by the scriptures. Um, and so we see the second half of verse 25 through verse 27, the response of the leaders of Israel to Jesus' answers. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, then why did you not believe him? But if we say from men, we fear the multitudes, for all count John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus and said, we do not know. And he said to them, Neither will I tell you by the authority that I do these things. See, again, the religious leader's concern is not for the truth, but for themselves. 
And that happens all the time. That people are not concerned about the truth. That they're concerned about being liked. They're concerned about their reputation. They're concerned about how people are going to respond to them. Um, but their reasoning was not careful reflection on what Jesus had said. Their reasoning was rather scheming to figure out how to avoid answering the question. Uh, again, they were politicians and they, they followed the polls. And again, the important thing is to know that they did not reject Jesus because of a lack of evidence. They had seen his miracles. They had seen his teaching. They had seen his life. They had the testimony of John and the testimony of Scripture and the testimony of God, and they still rejected it. So, folks, when you find people who have rejected the authority of Christ, it has nothing to do with evidence. It has everything to do with, I would rather run my own life than surrender my life to a higher authority. That's, it's, that's simple. And Matthew Henry puts it this way. Those who will not see shall not see. It's not that there wasn't anything from the sea. It's that they didn't want to see it. It was an action of the wills. They did not want to see the truth. And so because they did not want to see it, they shall not see it. If they don't open their eyes and they don't want to see it, it's not going to happen. So again, the question of Jesus and the answer of the religious leaders reveal several things. The religious leaders were compelled to admit their utter lack of discernment of what was going on around them. They're the religious leaders, but they couldn't tell you whether John was a prophet or whether he wasn't. They showed their own ignorance. The religious leaders were convicted of guilt because they rejected the testimony of John the Baptist. The religious leaders exposed their utter hypocrisy in everything that they were doing. And what happens to us when we reject the authority of Jesus Christ in our own lives? Hypocrisy will become a part of our life. It just becomes a part. Well, you say you believe this, but you're doing this. How does that, how does that fit? Um, fear will become a part of our life. Instead of staying firm in our convictions of who Christ is, we begin to fear. But what if? What if this happens? How can I take a stand? What about what will these people say? What will my, you know, we start asking all the what if questions. And eventually, you'll just deny Christ. I know it's true, but I don't want to live that way. So we choose ignorance over possible shame, embarrassment, ridicule, or persecution. No wonder Jesus said in Mark 8.38, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes to the glory of his Father with the holy angels. See, every thoughtful person has to be prepared to answer the question that Jesus asked the, the baptism of John. Was it from heaven or was it from man? Which ultimately asked the question, who is Jesus? Um, 
every person has to deal with that and who is going to be the authority in your life who is Jesus what is the source of his authority it's a question of utmost importance to every person here and the thing that we learn about our response to that question tells us about our own spiritual condition it's a warning light that's a seat vibrator says they're changing their lanes and you need to get back on the path. Father, I just praise you and thank you for this day. Lord, we know that our response to you as being the authority in our life is an indicator of where our heart is with you. So help us today as believers to practically manifest what it means to have you as the authority of our life. That we stop trying to sidestep or find escape clauses or use excuses, but just say, God, I'm yours. I bow my knee before you. I submit, I surrender. I give you first place, not only as my savior, but I want you to be the Lord of my life. I trust you that you love me more than I could ever love myself. And because of that, I willfully open my heart and my mind to the authority of you in my life. The things that I've held on to, I just release to you. I let go. Areas of my life that I just need to surrender, I ask your forgiveness. And I repent of those things and open my heart and my life to you. Not just as my Savior. Not just that fire insurance has been taken care of, but that I truly can live a life on this earth that is glorifying to you, honoring to you, and beneficial to the people that I come into contact with. And that they see a change in me in order that they can see you. Again, Father, I just thank you and praise you and ask your continued blessing upon each and every person here that we can go forth to be a blessing to others. And we ask all these things in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and all God's people said, Amen. Amen.